Welcome to the House of God podcast presented by the Collective Choir on Eau Claire Hometown Media. We'll share sermons to help you get to know a different Chippewa Valley church each week and to keep you up to date with the Collective Choir. I'm Shane Spencer, and here's your host, Zachariah Putney. Welcome to the House of God podcast. Thanks for listening this week. I'm excited about this one. It's episode 16, New Beginnings Church is where we're going today. You can find that at uh, 3221 East Hamilton Avenue in Eau Claire, Wisconsin, and uh, uh, Pastor Russ Adder is leading there. He's going to be the speaker for the sermon you'll be hearing today. Uh, Pastor Russ, you can also find quite frequently at the 420 Internet Cafe, uh, just behind Just Local Foods there downtown. I met with him a couple weeks ago here and caught up a little bit. I used to volunteer at that cafe uh, years ago, and it was fun to bring my little kids there and have them play play games and run around a little bit and pester all the customers. <laughs> Enough of all that. Let's jump in with Pastor Russ Adder from New Beginnings Church with a sermon on transformation. So we've been, we've been talking about transformation. How many like transformation? How many know that you need transformation? <laughs> That's usually the way it is. We don't necessarily like it, but we know that we need it, right? And, and no matter where you are in your, in your, in your walk with Jesus, you always should be changing. You always should be growing. You always should be metamorphosizing. Is that a word, Joan? <laughs> Wow, that's a big, I'm using lots of syllables today. Somebody keep track how many syllables I can use in one word. Metamorphosizing. That's a six-syllable word, Kate. <laughs> wow, I'm impressed with myself. Thank you, Jesus. All right, that's, that's enough. So we know that we need to change, and we know that we need to continue changing. And we talked last week, what happens when we don't change is we get to that place of complacency, and we get to that place of mediocrity, and that's not a good place to be, is it? I think we talked about that on Wednesday, maybe not Sunday. So we've talked about transforming us. And so transformation has to start with us as individuals. And only Jesus can do that in our heart. You know, a lot of us think that I'm going to do something to change. You know, I'm going to go on a diet. I'm going to change. Or I'm going to exercise. I'm going to change. I'm going to start getting up early. I'm going to change. And we can do some of those things by our own strength, right, in the natural. There's natural things that we can do to make change. But then from, the spirit, from our spiritual side, if we want to change spiritually, it really takes the Holy Spirit and it takes Jesus to make those changes in our heart. And so I talk to a lot of people who maybe aren't following God, and I talk to people who say, well, you know, I'm going to change this in my life, change this in my life, change this in my life, then I'll start living for Jesus. And they really got the cart before the horse, don't they? Because if we do start living for Jesus, he can help us make all those changes that we need to make in our lives. Because we can't do it by our own strength. Amen? And so we have to start following Jesus ourselves. Let Jesus change our hearts, our hearts as individuals, before any transformation starts beyond that. Right? And so we spent some time talking about that. And we talked about how we want God to know us and us to know God. And how God should search our hearts, right? Know every part of us. Seeking to show anything in our lives that may need work. And leading us into the everlasting, right? Leading us into the kingdom of God. And Jesus said the kingdom of God is at hand. That means it's here, right? We don't have to wait until we get to heaven to experience the kingdom of God. We can be experiencing here on earth. Last week then we looked at transform us. And transforming us as a body of believers. So it could be New Beginnings Church. It could be Jesus' followers in general. And so once we start to transform, then we can come together and we can encourage each other to transform the believers, right? And we looked at the, uh, the prayer of Paul in Colossians, and, and we talked about how we as a body of believers are to bear fruit. We as believers are to bear fruit. Jesus didn't just create us to be dead vines, right? He created us to bear fruit. And we're supposed to increase in knowledge and increase in wisdom from the word of God and with the help of the Holy Spirit. And, and we looked at being strengthened as a body. And we also looked at being grateful, right? And having a joyful heart as a body. And as we go through the message this morning, I, I want you to think about one person. I want you to think about one person this morning as we go through this message. 
that you know needs Jesus. Think about one person. It could be a family member. It could be a coworker. It could be just somebody that you run into periodically. But as we go through this message, think about one person that you know that needs Jesus. And I want you to start praying for them today, tomorrow, right? And as you go into the 21 days of hope, you're going to be able to continue praying for that person. But pray for them for salvation. Pray for, uh, for you, yourself, that God gives you an opportunity to speak truth into their lives. You, may not have to, you don't have to quote books of scripture to them. You don't have to give them your life story. But pray that God just gives you an opportunity to plant a seed. Even if it's just to say, God loves you. Or if, even if it's just to say, I'm praying for you. But, but look for that opportunity to share with them. You know, in God's people, we are God's people, we're not just a people who believe in and worship God, we're a people who long to see others know him, right? Yes, we come to worship, yes, we come to love God, but we also should long to see others know him. You know, a great example of this is from the Old Testament in, in Psalm 96, we sang part of that psalm this morning, and it's been said that this psalm focuses on our worship and it focuses on our witness, our worship and our witness. And it's a psalm that really extols or exalts God uh, for how great God is. How many know that God is great? Amen. And it urges us to start living our lives outward, an outward focus. And this psalm, it shows deep concern for the loss. It shows deep concern for all those who don't know God. And it shows us that God's people, as God's people, we have a responsibility to respond to the greatness of God with both worship and, and witness, right? Worship and witness. And remember, worship is singing, but it's not just singing. It's how you live your life. Do you live your life in a state of worship? And this has been called a missionary psalm. And God's people uh, see and recognize God's beauty. I'm starting to hear and see God's beauty as springtime's coming, right? The snow's melting. Yesterday, I was driving in the middle of town and seven deer crossed the road in front of me, right in the middle of town. That's God's beauty, and, you know, and the birds are starting to get up early in the morning, and we're starting to see the trees budding soon, right? And we should long for others to know God as well, so they can look at those things and recognize the beauty of God. And the hope of this world is Jesus Christ. It's not the government. It's not a vi vaccine for a virus. It's not the economy. All the hope for this world is truly Jesus Christ. He is our hope. People need Jesus. And so the psalm looks forward in a sense. So this was written in the Old Testament, but it looks forward. And it looks forward to Christ's coming. And it really looks forward to the second coming of Christ. And it looks forward to a time that, that has um, begun with Christ coming to earth. But we haven't experienced the finality of that yet. Because he's going to return again. Amen? And so we must do, uh, we must do knowing what God commands. So, so let's look at uh, Psalm 96 and we're going to read the whole thing through. It says, Oh, sing to the Lord a new song. Sing to the Lord all the earth. Sing to the Lord, bless his name. Remember singing that this morning? We sang that this morning. Proclaim the good news of his salvation from day to day. Declare his glory among the nations. His wonders among some people. All people, right? I'm glad you guys are paying attention. For the Lord is great and greatly to be praised. He is to be feared or revered, right, above all gods. For all the gods of the people are idols, but the Lord made the heavens. Honor and majesty are before him. Strength and beauty are in his sanctuary. Give to the Lord, O families of the peoples, give to the, to the Lord glory and strength. Give to the Lord the glory due his name. Bring an offering and come into his courts. O worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness. There tremble before him all the earth. Say among the nations, the Lord reigns, the world also is firmly established, it shall not be moved, he shall judge the people righteously. Let the heavens rejoice and let the earth be glad, let the sea roar in all its fullness, let the field be joyful in all that's in it, then all the trees of the woods will rejoice before the Lord, for he is coming, for he is coming to judge the earth. He shall judge the world with righteousness and the peoples with his truth. What a beautiful psalm. You know, a version of that psalm is in 1 Chronicles chapter 16, and it was sung by David. And when David brought the Ark of the Covenant back to Jerusalem, he sang uh, something similar. 
And so again, this has been called a missionary psalm. And the song, uh, the song is urging, as they say, in both worship, but as an, also in witness. Worship and witness. And it shows how Israel at that time had the responsibility beyond themselves, a responsibility to call the Gentiles to faith, right? So they were to be a nation that was a witness for the rest of the world. And so now we're, we are, here we are in 2021, I think it's 2021, yeah? And Jesus came, right? The church was born. The gospel came to the Gentiles. Most of us here are Gentiles, right? And now we await the finality of this passage. Jesus is coming back. He's going to take us home, right? We wait for the finality of this. When Jesus returns to judge the world and he'll make all things right. Everything that's askew today, Jesus will make right. Everything that's out of order today, Jesus will make right. Amen? There will be the end of sickness and death. No more sickness and death. Yes, that's worth rejoicing over. These old bodies that are starting to fail, they'll work all as good as new because they'll be perfected, right? And so this psalm shows us three things, three things that God's people should be doing in response to his greatness. So think about God and his greatness, and these are things that we should do in response to that greatness. And it shows how God's people are to respond if God really is God, which we believe he is, amen? And our responsibility in this text revolves around three words that we're going to look at for a while this morning. One is worship, two is declare, and three is invite. Worship, declare, and invite. And so let's look at that, and we're going to zero in on the third one because we're talking about uh, transforming the world, and that really comes from inviting people, right? So we'll look at that uh, later. But I want to show you from the text why this is so important, that we worship, we declare, and we invite, especially in the world that we're living in today. So first, we, we must worship God. We must worship God. That's not an option. We shouldn't get up and go to ourselves, do I want to worship God? No, I should get up and say, I must worship God. In verses 1 and 2 and 9 of Psalm 96, it says, Oh, sing to the Lord a new song. Sing to the Lord all the earth. Sing to the Lord, bless his name. Proclaim the good news of his salvation from day to day. Verse 9, Oh, worship the Lord in the beauty of his holiness. Tremble before him, all the earth. Our God is the only God worthy of worship. Amen? And the people of God in the Old Testament and the New Testament and beyond the New Testament, right? We're in the New Testament. We're called to worship him. We're called to celebrate him, right? And our God is the king of creation. He created the heavens and the earth. There's no one like him. And so this psalm declares that we are to sing to him, right? A new song, a fresh song. Because in Jesus, he has done a new thing, right? He's done a new thing. And we need to, or we sing to him a song rooted in, in the gospel, new, or the good news of the gospel. So all the earth is to worship this, our Lord. Everyone, everything, God is our king. Amen? We worship God for who he is. Verse 6 of, uh, of Psalm 96 says, Honor and majesty are before him. Strength and beauty are in his sanctuary. He is the Lord. He is beautiful, he is splendid, he is majestic, he is strong. And so we worship God for what he's done, right? And we tell of his salvation, it says, from day to day. And so if the people of God in the Old Testament were to worship God for saving them, how much more, think about it, they were to tell and worship God for saving them, how much more in the light of a risen Christ, right, are we to worship him for saving us? Get that. They were called to worship him for saving them. We've been saved in a different way, right? By the blood of Christ, by a risen Christ. How much more are we called to worship? And we, we can look back to the cross. And we can look back and see and look at the empty tomb as we're, as we're getting close to Easter. And know it should cause us to worship. We should look at the cross and we should raise our hands and say, Thank you, Jesus, for dying for me. We should look at the empty tomb and raise our hands and say, Thank you, Jesus, for raising from the dead. Thank you, Jesus, for taking the punishment of sin and death, my sin and death, on you. So I want you to catch this. When we worship properly, now you're going to go, what's proper worship? When we worship properly, it shows a restoration of the creator and the creation relationship. When we're worshiping properly, whatever that, so that doesn't mean song, that could mean your workplace, that could mean taking care of your kids, 
That can mean spending time with your family. But when we're living in the right heart of worship, that restores the relationship between the creator, God, and the creation, us. That's where we're connected the most is during worship. Amen? Worship reorientates us towards God. You know, we get distracted by this world. We get distracted by the tasks of our day. We get distracted by whatever. And when you put your heart in a place of worship, it reorientates you towards God. And we see that God is not only worthy, but he's supremely worthy. Right? Worship is the response to God's worth. We could call it worth-ship. Right? It's a response to God's worth, worth, and it's not trying to convince God that we're worthy. A lot of people, they, they do things for God, going, God, look how worthy I am. Right? Worship is a response to God's worth, not trying to convince God of our worth. And so as believers, we need to understand that God is beautiful. God is glorious, right? And we esteem his worth. Worship begins with knowing how valuable God is to us. Have you ever watched the TV show or a TV show like it, the Antique Roadshow? Right? Where, where, uh, where people walk in with their grandmother's toothbrush <laughs> or something and they find out it's worth millions of dollars. Like grandma's been brushing her teeth with this toothbrush for 30 years and, it, and it's, it's worth a million dollars. I don't know if I'd want my grandma's toothbrush. But anyway, there's other shows like that, right? In all, in all those things, people are hoping to find out whatever they have, that it's been in their house and it's something that they've had or it's something that's been passed down to them and they find out it's priceless and they say, man, I had no idea that whatever this item is is worth so much money. It was in my junk drawer. Right now, it's in a safe deposit box because it's worth millions. And so, you know, we love the joy as humans of finding value and worth. Kids are funny with that. Kids will go find a rock and they think it's the most precious, valuable thing that's ever existed. You know, it's just a rock. But they treat it like it's gold, right? And true worship begins with understanding the supreme value of God and then responding to that. It's recognizing that God is valuable. And a lot of people walk through their life thinking that God is just kind of there, like your grandma's toothbrush or whatever it is. And we don't recognize how valuable he is to us. And once we get that, then that's what really, where, where true worship starts to begin and how we respond to that. And, and God is worthy way more than we can imagine. Think about that. He's worthy of way more than we can imagine. The more you understand the worthiness of God, the more you'll want to worship him. The more you get a picture of how valuable God is, the more you'll want to worship him. And that worshiping heart is kind of that 24-7 acknowledgement of the lordship of Jesus Christ in our life. And it's as Romans 12, 1 and 2 tells us, it's about offering our whole selves to God, right? Not just a part, but our whole selves and being obedient and, and being in submission to his will. And so let's look at Romans 12, 1, 2 this morning in the English Standard Version. It says, I appeal to you, therefore, brethren, brothers, by the mercy of God, to present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. He's saying present your whole body, right? Holy and acceptable, a living sacrifice, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but there's that word we've been afraid of. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that by testing you, by, by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is the good and acceptable and perfect. You know, there's also a gathered corporate component there that, that we've missed out on, especially if we've, so those of us who are still participating from home, we missed out, we're missing out on gathering together and gathering as a corporate component. Yes, we're online together and that's good, um, but we, part of the, the, the blessing of coming together is that encouragement from each other as we talked last week. And it's been so good to come together and sing together. Right? It's been so good to come and fellowship together and pray together and study God's word together. And all that's worship being together. Right? And so we need to gather as saints, don't we? And, and we need to gather and sing. And so many of you are and are faithful in the way that you can be today. If you're online, it's okay. I, we, we understand. If you're here, it's okay. We'll let you be here. Right? We are called together to gather as saints. So God is worthy, worthy, we have to worship. We must worship. Number two, we have to declare the truth about God. We read in verses three and four of Psalm 96, declare his glory 
among the nations, his wonders among all people. For the Lord is great and greatly to be praised. He is to be feared above all gods. And so here we see even in the Old Testament, God's people had a responsibility to tell the truth about God, to share God. They were told, declare, go tell everyone, right? And so we are to declare and proclaim and to let people know about the glory. We're to let the nations know, right? We're to let everyone know, all people know. We're to declare his good works. How many have had God do good works in your life? How many woke up this morning? God did a good work, right? And so we're to declare his good works, that God is good. And it's him, right, not the idols that should be feared, not the idols that should be reverenced, and not the idols that should be worshipped. We must only worship God. Amen? For uh, who it, uh, we, we should worship him for who he is and what he's done, and then we're to tell others about what he's done and who he is. Amen? You know, our lives and our mouths should declare the glory of God. So sometimes you don't have to say a thing. It's just by your actions that you're telling people about God. You know, it's not always about the words that come out of your mouth. It's about how you live. You know, the word glory here means weight, the weightiness of God. You know, God's glory is his weight. How much does God weigh? Look at how glorious he is. He's heavy. <laughs> so glory, uh, God's glory is his weight. It's the essence of who he is. And so God has more weight than anything. Right? He matters more. And we don't, we don't do anyone any favors if we act like the things of God do not matter. Right? If we pretend they're just ho-hum. And, and when we act like uh, God can be put off, and, and if God is glorious, then the gospel is urgent. Right? We, we can't put God off. We can't put sharing his word off. If God is glorious, the Bible is important. Right? If God is glorious, life matters. People's lives matter. This matters. You know, for many people, God is just a concept. It's an idea. He's an idea. And not reality in their lives. And as a concept, then you become bigger than God. Right? So those people who look at God as just a foreign idea, or not a reality, so he doesn't really, he's not existent, then they're actually considering themselves bigger than God. You follow that? And, and then your God, if he's a concept and not a reality or an idea, he has to fit you, right? You get, to de- you get to determine who he is and how he works. But when you understand that God is real, not just an idea, but he's real, when you understand who he is, then you see the fact that he's bigger, right, and heavier and weightier than you could ever be, right? He's so big, we can't even comprehend it. In other words, he's more glorious, God has greater weight than anything in the world, greater weight than man. You know, if you ever go to a a calm lake, I love calm water where you can look at the water and you can see the reflection of the horizon and you can't really tell if you're looking at the sky or in the water because it's so still. But when you drop something into the water, it has an effect on that water, right? It starts to ripple. And no matter how small the object is, whatever you drop into the water, it has some effect. So if I drop a pebble of sand in the still water, I'm going to see just a little bit of a ripple, right? If I drop a paper clip, I'll see a little bit more of a ripple. If I drop a stone, I'll see a little bit more of a ripple. If I drop a big rock, I'm going to see a lot of ripple. And if I jump in myself, I won't see much but lots of ripples, right? The heavier the object that falls into the water, the bigger the impact, right? From a pebble of sand to a big rock. The heavier the, the, the object, the bigger the quake, the bigger the ripple, the bigger the splash. God's glory... His weight is such that he has to be declared. It's not just a little ripple. It's not just a little pebble of sand in our life. It's a, his weight is incomprehensible. And when that falls into our life, it should ripple out everywhere around us. It should be declared. Our lives should declare. Our lives should show that we have been radically impacted by a glorious God. Amen? The sermon will resume after a testimony from the Collective Choir. My name is Heather Dreger, and I have been a part of the Collective Choir for a few years now. And um, one of the things that I love about this choir is that um, it's a loving community that gives me the opportunity to be the person that God created me to be. So um, what I mean by that is 
sometimes to really be authentic to yourself takes strength and takes guts and takes bravery. And um, what this choir has done for me is it gives me a safe place to be able to step out from behind my wall that I have up and um, be the emotional person that God created me to be. Um, be the musician that God created me to be. Um, be the friend that God created me to be. And so one of the things that I've been working on this past year is um, being authentic to myself. And that means being authentically the person that God created me to be. And so um, I have to admit there's been times in the last many years where I've hidden who I am behind a wall because it feels safer behind a wall than to put myself out there and be who God created me to be. But it's lonely behind the wall and and it drains a person's soul when they're not being who God created them to be. So what I've been working on this last year is um, seeking God first and then using that to inform everything else in my life. Um, how I relate to people, how I respond to situations, um, and especially what God would have me do. So um, I want to say that I'm really grateful for this choir to give me the opportunity to have a safe place to come out from behind my wall to really be the person that God created me to be. Thanks, Heather. That is so freeing to be living authentically as who you feel like you're made to be and to be surrounded by a community that empowers that. The Collective Choir meets on Mondays at Valley Brook Church at 6 to 7.30. Come join us any week if that's something that's attractive to you. Let's get back to New Beginnings Church with Pastor Russ Adder. Meeting God makes your life alter to be different. It's life-altering. It changes your life, right? Meeting God is life-altering. And so when people hear the gospel for the first time, when people read the Bible, when people look into a star-filled night, when they look at an ocean or they look at creation, and, 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 and they should, they, they, we should be shouting about the weightiness of God because his fingerprints are all over those things, aren't they? You know, I love it when I get up in the morning and the sun starts to rise and you look at the clouds and they're colorful. That's God's fingerprints. That's the weightiness of God, the glory of God. And so as Christ followers, we should not try to water down the weightiness of God. We shouldn't try to diminish the weightiness of God, the glory of God. We need to be saying, yes, he is a weighty God. We need to be, uh, our lives should be preaching that he is a glorious, weighty God. Right? That he matters more than anyone or anything, and we should be pointing people to him, not to us, but to him, to see him and to see his glory. We should declare his great works. He woke me up this morning. That's a great work. Amen? Uh, because God is good, and we all have stories to tell. You can tell people how God saved you, right? You can tell people how God healed you. You can tell God how, uh, tell how God delivered you. You can tell people how God protected you. We all have stories that we can tell people about what God has done in our lives. And the world needs to hear, just like we sang, until the whole world hears, right? The world needs to hear about God's works. Amen? And our creation is declaring the great works of God. We see it every day. If you're looking, look at creation. Even look at the world around us. It's declaring and yelling about God's works. The trees, the sun, the moons, the stars, they're all declaring um, that God is a, a great creator of all things. They're shouting, God made me. When the birds chirp in the morning and wake you up in your ornery, they're just telling you that God made them, right? When the beautiful flowers come up in the spring, they're just telling you that God created them. You know, only us, only those who have repented of sin and trusted Christ can declare that God has saved me. Yes, he created all of us, but only those who have repented and accepted Christ in our life can declare that God saved me. And that's a work of God, right? Reserved for those who are redeemed, and we must tell that. We must declare that to others. There is no one like our God. Nothing. No one. 
And at this critical time that our nation is in, that our cities in, that our communities are in, we need to be found faithful declaring that God is glorious and declaring that God is good with our words and with our actions, right? Number three, so we have to worship God. We must declare the truth about God and we must invite outsiders in, invite outsiders in. So let's look at Psalm 96, verses 7 through 9. Give, the, give to the Lord, O families of the peoples. Give to the Lord glory and strength. Give to the Lord glory, do his name. Bring an offering and come into his courts. O worship the Lord in the beauty of his holiness. Tremble before him all the earth. And so notice what's happening here. This is a call to the nation, right? Not just to people, but the nation. He says, O families of the peoples, this is the nations. Who is to tremble? All the earth is to tremble before God. And God's intention was always uh, that Israel be, uh, uh, be, um, be witnessing and sharing his word with other people. He's always intended for that. We go back to the book of Exodus. And he told Israel that you will be a nation that will tell other nations, right? And he wanted them to reach to the Gentiles and the non-Jews and it to be a light to them. And then Jesus came. He is the light of the world, right? He is the light of the world. And now as his followers, you and I have the responsibility to take his gospel on to nations. It could be out your back door. It could be in your own home. It could be in your workplace, your school, the grocery store. But we're called to take his gospel out to the nations, to our neighbors. So just, just as you are here, right, here in the building, um, just as you see here as well, they, Israel was to call and invite outsiders into their community, weren't they? We are called to invite outsiders in, the unbeliever in. We see in Psalm 96, 8, bring an offering and come into his courts. This is picturing a time when the Gentiles would come in. And we know Jesus has ushered this in, right? That was part of what Jesus did all over the world this morning, or because the time is different, Earlier this morning, people gathered together to worship the one true God. People gathered together today to worship Jesus. Or they got online and they participated in a service online, worshiping and hearing the word of God. Jesus has brought us together, right? He's brought the believers together. The one true church, it's not New Beginnings Church, we're part of the church. It's a world church, it's a church of Christ. People, he brought people together. And the invitation that Jesus gave you and I still stands. The nations are still welcomed in. Jesus is saying, come on, I'm ready, I'm waiting, come worship, right? And if we step back for a moment and look at this psalm, and we look at why we must invite uh, those outside of our faith in, and if you're participating online today, and if you're not a Christ follower, I'm going to give you four reasons if you're here and you're not a Christ follower or you're listening and you're not a Christ follower, of why you must come to God. I'm not sure what my note says there, but that's okay. Number one, we'll just move on. God is, we already talked about this, but God is worthy of worship, right? God is worthy of worship. Again, if we look at the beginning of Psalm 96, 8, it says, give to the Lord the glory due his name. Give to the Lord the glory due his name. God is due the worship of every person in every city, in every state, in every country on this planet, right? He's due the worship, amen? And, and there's not one beating heart on this earth that God does not deserve their worship. He deserves the worship of every living person that's alive today. And so don't be afraid to share your faith, and don't be afraid to encourage people to believe. Don't be afraid because God is worthy of our worship. He made you, he made them, and he made us to worship him. He created us to worship him. And so we have to invite those in who don't know Jesus, right? Because he's due their worship. He's worthy of their worship. And so if you don't know Christ today, please know that God is worthy of your worship. It may not click right now, but God is worthy of your worship. He will not let you down. You won't waste your life worshiping God. You won't regret coming to Christ, right? Because you were made for him. 
that hunger that's in the heart before we come to Jesus, that, that deep hole in our heart that we can't seem to satisfy and fulfill, that we try to satisfy with worldly things or people or drugs or whatever it may be, the only way that that hunger will be filled is by Jesus filling it. You were made for him. Number two, idols are worthless. So God is worthy of worship. Idols are worthless. Let's look at Psalm 96.5 in the English Standard Version. For all the gods of the people are worthless idols. Pretty clear, right? But the Lord made the heavens. So every one of us will worship. We'll worship something. Think about it. We always will worship something. Worship is hardwired in us because God created us to worship him. And so if we don't acknowledge him, we'll naturally start worshiping other things, right? Other people, because we were hardwired to worship. And if you're not worshiping the God of the Bible, you're most likely worshiping someone or something else because you're hardwired to worship. Do you get that? The Bible calls those things idols. If you're not worshiping the one true God, but you're worshiping something else or someone else, the Bible calls that an idol. And we just read that idols are what? Worthless. Right? Because they can't save us. They can't help us. They can't do the things that they promise to do. Right? In our culture, we have idols. Did you know that? A lot of people think that, well, idols, we don't got statues in our houses of this and that. We have idols all around us. Right? Power, pleasure, achievement, success, security, whatever it may be. People treat sex, money, power like they're gods or Facebook. I got to please Facebook. It's my idol. People sacrifice for those things and, and to those things. And they give up time and they give up money and they give up important relationships to pursue those unworthy gods in their lives. They're not worthy of the place we, get, uh, we put them in our lives. Look around the world. And, and the idols of our culture are up in flames right now, aren't they? You know, we, we've dealt with a health crisis. We're still dealing with a health crisis. There's social unrest in our nation. I think I saw uh, maybe about 8 o'clock last night, there was eight or nine cities in the United States that were, that were looting and burning and destroying things. Eight or nine cities all at once. And that's not just a one-time thing. That happens every single night in our country. Every single night. There's so much social unrest. There, I won't even... It makes me sick. There were, there were people... Yet last, yesterday afternoon, yelling at kids who were three to seven years old at a cheerleading tournament. And they were, they were just abusing, verbally abusing these kids who were walking from one place to another. I won't, I won't go into the details. It's, it, they're just sick. <laughs> they're sick. People are so polarized today. Right? I can talk to Katie, who's, who's, who's a right wing, and, and she talks to me, and I'm left wing. I don't know that that's true. It's not important. But we're so polarized. We can't get along because we're so polarized. Instead of focusing on the word of God and uniting on the word of God, we're divided by the things that are happening in our country. And so if your hope is in, in, your, in your health and your hope is in your money and your hope is in your pleasures and your hope is in security, those things will get rattled if they haven't done, been rattled already. They'll, sh they'll be shaken. And it's a wake-up call to all of us. We need to wake up and put our security in Jesus alone and not the things of this world. The idols of this world are worthless. They're just worthless, right? There's only one who is worthy. And we have to invite the people in because our God saves. He's worthy. Amen? And so if you feel rocked by current events, I, I, I get disgusted by them, but I don't feel rocked by them because I know where my security is. My security is in the one true God who's in heaven. And I know that he loves me. I don't get rocked because I see gas prices going up and think, oh boy. And I don't get rocked because I see this happening. Because my hope is in Jesus and not in the things of this world. And God wants to save us and he wants to sustain us. And that's the rock that will not be moved. Right? Everything in this world is shifting. It will be moved. Jesus will not be moved. There is one who does not change. Right? That's Jesus. Number three, God will judge the earth. So God alone is worthy of worship. Idols are worthless and God will judge the earth. Uh, we read in Psalm 96, 10 through 13. Say among the nation, the Lord reigns. The world is also firmly established. It shall not be moved. He shall judge the peoples righteously. 
Let the heavens rejoice, let the earth be glad, let the sea roar in all its fullness. Let the field be joyful in all that's in it. Then all the trees of the woods will rejoice before the Lord, for he is coming. For he is coming to what? Judge the earth. He shall judge the world with righteousness and people with tr his truth. You know, we don't like to talk about the judgment of God, but it, it's all over scripture. He's going to come and judge the earth. I, I'd be lying and I'd be giving you a disservice if I didn't tell you that, right? He's going to come and judge the earth. We have to tell people about Jesus. We have to share the gospel. We must because God is going to come and judge the world with righteousness, right? Listen to what Paul said about this in Acts 17, 30, and 31. Truly, these times of ignorance God overlooked, but now commands all men everywhere to repent because he has appointed a day on which he will judge the world in righteousness by the man, capital M, Jesus, whom he ordained. He has given assurance to this to all by raising him from the dead. The resurrected Christ will come and return and judge the world. We know that. Every person will stand before him and have to give an account for their lives. He will judge in righteousness because he is righteous. He is the righteous one. And only he can judge with a perfect standard, right? We all think we're good judges. We judge each other all the time. But Jesus is the only one that can judge with a perfect standard. He's the only one that can judge with true righteousness because he alone is righteous, right? Jesus' judgment will be right. It will be true and it will be fair. It will be perfect. Amen? Number four, God is everyone's only hope. God is everyone's only hope. So God is worthy of worship. Idols are worthless. God is, uh, will judge the earth. And, and God is everyone's hope. The idea here is, is bigger than just judgment for sin. The idea is of God reigning and controlling and being in charge of everything. Right? We have to recognize that. In, in Psalm 96 it says he reigns or he controls. Right? And the picture is of God reigning in a way even beyond what we can see now. Because we know that God holds the stars in his hands, right? We know that he holds the earth in his hands. We know that he controls everything or has control over everything. But he'll reign in a way even beyond what we can see now. And Jesus' kingdom is advancing today, right? His kingdom is advancing. He rules. He reigns in the hearts of men and women. But there will be a day that it'll be final, where we see the final a picture of God ruling. And one day there will be an end to this earth. There will be an end to this flesh. There will be an end to the, all the brokenness that's going on. There will be no more sin. There will be no more sickness. No more shame. Ted won't need a hip replacement right in heaven. No more hurt. There will be no more viruses. No more health issues. No more financial pitfalls. No more protests or riots or unrest. All of that will go away. No more social distancing. We won't need to wear masks in heaven, right? Jesus will reign in glory over all his people. And the psalmist is looking forward to that when he says in Psalm 96, 12, then all the trees of the woods will rejoice before the Lord. You know, if you would read, we're not going to read Romans 8, but if you read Romans 8, it talks about how the creation suffers, right? Under the curse due to the fall of man. Creation is suffering, it says. And sin has corrupted everything, and creation itself has this ache. You ever ache for something? Maybe it's chocolate. You just ache for it. But creation is aching and longing for things to be right again. Just think about that. It's moaning for rightness, right? And Jesus is going to return and fix this old broken world. And therefore, he is our only hope. The idols can't fix it. You can't fix it. I can't fix it. The president can't fix it. Nobody can fix it like Jesus can fix it. And Jesus will transform this world. He can transform it bit by bit today through us, but one day he'll transform it all in the end, right? One day a perfect judge who always gets things right will faithfully judge in equity and make this world correct. Praise the Lord, amen? Right now the world is broken. I don't have to convince you of that, I don't think. Do I have to convince you, James? Or do you already know it? The world is broken, right? And our only hope is to experience the saving grace of Jesus Christ. That's our only hope. That's the only way that we can survive this broken world. Only those transformed by Jesus in this life, right, 
will get to experience the transformation in the new life. You're saved by grace through faith in Christ alone, not of works, lest any man boast. Right? Nothing I can do, it's only got to be through the grace of God. Only those in this life, who in this life can tell of, their salva- of Christ's salvation from day to day, just like the song says, will experience that new life in eternity. So let me ask you, can you tell of his salvation? Can you tell of his salvation? Do you have a story of how he saved you this morning? The Bible says the broken world we see around us is due to sin, right? It all started with sin. We were all sinners, right? We were made in God's image, absolutely made in God's image. Loved? Yes, God loves us. Yet we all have sinned and we rebelled against God. And a holy God is going to judge us because he is just. Amen? He is righteous. But he sent his son. He sent his son Jesus to be judged for us. When Jesus died on the cross, that was God's judgment put upon his only son. He was condemned in our place. We should have been the ones on the cross, but he was condemned in our place. He bore our sin in his body. He died for us on the cross. And he rose again, having victory, right, over sin, hell, and death. I'm going to have you stand this morning as I close. The only way that we can experience forgiveness, the only way we can experience new life, is to turn away from our sin and have faith in Jesus. That's the only way, right? If we do that, he will save us, the Bible tells us. He will make you new again. He will transform you. That's where that transformation in you has to start. You have to turn to Jesus. Turn away from your life, turn to Jesus, and he'll transform you. And one day you will experience the finality that this psalm is talking about. We'll reign and rule with Christ forever. And so maybe some of you here or some of you online need to do that today. You've never done that. You've never turned to Jesus. You've never called to him. You've never asked him to save you. You can do that this morning. You can do that at any moment, right? You can do that at home if you're participating online. We all need to know, we all need to make that decision for Jesus in our lives. We should be making that decision every day. God, yep, I'm here for you today. I'm loving you today. I'm worshiping you today. And as believers, we need to know that this world needs us to not only worship, this world needs us to declare, and this world needs us to tell people about Jesus. Amen? He is our only hope, and he's this world's only hope. And so I think about during these strange days that we live in, they just keep getting stranger, right? We need to be found faithful as believers. We need to love our neighbors. Doesn't matter if you don't like them, you got to love them. (laughs) Amen? We need to share the gospel. We need to pray for God to transform the world around us. If we want change in our world, it starts with us praying for our world. And that God changes one heart at a time. And he uses us to do that. And so early on, I I asked you to think of one person. And I want you to keep that person in your heart, keep that person in your mind, and remind yourself of who that person is. Who Who do you need to invite to know God through Jesus? Start praying for them. If you don't know what to say, don't know how to approach them, you're afraid, just pray for them. There's, there's more value in prayer than anything that comes out of your mouth to them, right? God can do more without you if you pray for him versus having you step in and mess it all up, right? God may call you to step in, but start by praying for them, right? And then God will lead you to reach out to them. He'll lead you to just maybe check how they're doing and maybe even tell them you're praying for them, Right? I love it when I tell people who don't know God that that I've been praying for them and they go, wow, that explains a lot because this happened and this happened and this happened and this happened and now they put two and two together and they recognize that, man, God was working in their lives through people praying for them. They didn't even know they were being prayed for, but all of a sudden things started to come into order in their lives. There's power in prayer. Amen? Hallelujah. God is good. Let's pray. God, we thank you that you will transform our world. And Lord, we ask this morning that you use each one of us, that you transform it through us. Lord, that we worship you, we declare the truth about you, and we invite others to know you. 
And so, Lord, put on each one of our hearts today that desire to share who you are with the world around us. Help us, Lord, until the whole world hears, Lord, continue to proclaim who you are, either in action, in deed, or in word, Lord. Lord, one day you will come, you will redeem this world, you will transform this world completely, Lord, and you'll, 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 you'll make that new for us. But until then, Lord, you're asking us to reach to the ends of the earth. And the ends of the earth for us may be our backyard, it may be our neighbor, it may be our workplace. Lord, give us that desire to see people live for you, to see people serving you, to see people worshiping you. Lord, and it's not about what I can do, but it's about what you do through me. I've been saved by grace, through faith, in Christ alone. And because of that, I can proclaim what you've done in my life to others, Lord, and they can also experience that salvation. Lord, and then they can go tell and experience, have see someone else experience that transformation. Lord, and it has no, it's not about me getting the glory or anyone else getting the glory. It's about you getting the glory. It's about you, the weighty God, who's so heavy that when you impact our lives, there should be ripples that just ripple for eternity for the wonderful work that you've done in each one of us. God, I thank you that you've saved us. I thank you that you've redeemed us. I thank you that you've healed us. Lord, I thank you that you give us breath each day. You, you, you meet our needs and help meet our needs. Lord, let us have that desire to worship you in everything that we do, not just in song, but Lord, in every action that we do, let it be an act of worship. Let us go to work and worship you in the workplace just by doing our job. Lord, let us, let us take care of our families as an act of worship. Lord, let's declare what you've done in our lives. Lord, when you perform a miracle in our lives, let's not keep that to ourselves. Share that with the world. Share that with other believers. Encourage other believers. Lord, as we talked last week, let us have a thankful, joyful heart. And Lord, let us invite other people to know you. Lord, all of us or most of us, well, all of us, heard about you through another person. We heard about you through another person. I think about my life and, and before I knew you, I didn't even know who you were. And someone shared me shared with me the truth of Jesus. And so, God, I thank you that someone was bold enough to step out, and I was obnoxious, and they still shared the truth of Christ with me, which changed my life from that moment forward. Lord, call us to do that. Call us to step out and be bold in people's lives. So, God, we thank you. We love you. We know this is all about you. You get the glory. You deserve the glory. We just praise and worship you this morning. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Pastor Russ, for being a part of this podcast this week. Thank you, New Beginnings Church. Find them at East Hamilton Avenue, number 3221. Or find them online at newbeginningschurchec.com. Of course, check out the Collective Choir at collectivechoir.org. Click on the Donate tab to support us if you're feeling it. God bless you all, you're wonderful people, I assume. I can't see you. Tune in next week, it just might be a good one, you never know. Um, I have a few more seconds to fill. Uh, Alright, have a good week. Thanks for listening to the House of God podcast, presented by the Collective Choir on Eau Claire Hometown Media. To find out more about the Collective Choir, or the church you heard about in this podcast, please follow us on Facebook or visit www.collectivechoir.org.